so let's let's start by looking at the text, which is Joshua 1.8. Like uh, Dick and Kenny said, everyone in this church should know this by heart. Uh, the Bible says, the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Amen. Let's look at John 5.39. The Bible says in John 5.39, you, you search the scriptures. And I, you see how the word you shows up in both places. Uh, personal responsibility that pastor keeps talking about. Can't hide from it. Uh, you search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and these are they which testify of me. Our Father, we thank you for this time that we have to dwell in your word. Uh, we pray that the profiting that you promised us for all those who would earnestly, steadfastly look into the perfect law of liberty, I pray it will be ours today in Jesus' name. At the end of the day, we'll be left with a conviction, a desire, and an enablement uh, to make this book uh, our, our companion, our daily companion, and that its impact will be felt in our lives and in generations to come. In Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. So this is one of those topics that uh, we're familiar with. You've heard, you hear about the Bible, the importance of reading it, and various ways of engaging with Scripture, which we'll get into all the time. It's unlikely that you're going to stop hearing it uh, because it is central to our Christian faith. So what I wanted to do just by way of introduction is something I, I do sometimes when, you know, giving thanks is a little difficult because, okay, maybe it's just me, but uh, sometimes uh, we take things for granted. And I think it's an artifact of the fall, right? We take things for granted, especially when we didn't pay the price for it. We, it's not that we are... It's not that we are dismissing it. It's just something in our composition, right? You, you didn't think about the sun when you were coming in. You didn't think about the fact that you're breathing in and out without an issue right now. Uh, you, you're not, you didn't consider the fact that things are functioning like they are. You're not, you came in, the light is on, the, 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 the HVAC is working. Just certain things we don't think about them. We take them for granted. And, you know, one, one way to help with you know, being a little more conscious about the things that you have uh, because, you know, until they're taken away, right? It's when they're taken away that, that we're acutely aware, right? You, the person who, has, who is a quadriplegic, they fully understand what it means to have limbs. Or we that have them all that work and function and throw them around, we don't think about it. So one of the things that would help is just imagine for a second that something was absent, right? Just take, take some time and think about it and say, okay, it's, it's, I know, you know, as Christians, like, God forbid it will never happen. It will never happen. But it's just to help you connect with the emotions of God's mercy, right? Uh, so something like Johnny Mercies. Uh, this is the 20th day of October, the 10th month of the year. Towards the end, you went, you are in, out, in cars, in different ways of commuting yourself, your, your, your children, your siblings, and no stories. But you, yeah, you know, you don't really think about that. So just take a second and think about it. What if, God forbid, and it helps you, right, connect with emotion. So let's try that this morning. So let's assume that we're in a world where God is silent, right? Where God did not speak, does not speak, did not reveal himself. Where we're left to wonder, 
why are we here? Or who am I? Where the most fundamental existential questions that confront us have no answer. Where we're left to figure out for ourselves what is right and wrong. What do we do with you know, the guilt and the shame of when we sin and, or, or of broken relationships? What is our answer to the fact that we live in a world that is so beautiful yet is filled with horrors? What happens when we die? Where do we go? Is there life after death? If I, when I finish my sojourn on this earth, is that it? Is there any way that I can know where I'm going when I'm dead? What, who, who has the answers? And you ask these questions, you struggle with these questions, and nothing. So just think about that for a second. Think about the chaos. Think about the, you're talking about suicides? Forget it. Think about when you leave it to man to figure out what is right. Even with the influence of God in the world, you see what is happening. Imagine if we left only the people who were powerful, only the people who were rich, to determine you know, the course of our lives. And, and it helps us just a little bit begin to think about the, the, how glorious it is that the God we serve is not silent. <laughs> Are you not grateful that God spoke very clearly? The Bible says that uh, man cannot by searching find out God. So that, that means is left alone, you and I, no matter our intellectual capacity, would have no clue. We wouldn't even know that we're in trouble. It's one thing not to know. It's another thing not to even know what you don't know. A terrible darkness and ignorance. But the Bible says that God did not allow that happen. There are people who are they're called agnostics and you know, simply put what they believe is that, yes, they agree that there's a God, there's a power, there's a force. But he's so vast and unknowable and infinite that he doesn't care what happens to our lives. He's too busy. He doesn't have time. It's this cosmic power that is not interested in what happens to us. So he speak, talks about uh, that we can't know him. But we know that's a lie. How do we know? Because the Bible just God describes himself in the pages of scripture as a father. He says he's a relational God. No, he didn't just create everything, set things in motion, and walk away. No, 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 no. He said, I will walk with you. He speaks about himself as though he's next to us. He talks about how that even the hairs on your head, he's keeping an account of them. That, that, is, that, that a sparrow that he knows what happens to a sparrow compared to us. In fact, he talked about himself, how that he says, he says he, he, he has inscribed your name on his hands. You think about it and you think blood, you think pain. He says you are hid in Christ in God. He has not left us and he has revealed himself to us and our God cares and he's a good father. Appreciate God. I just... Thank you, Jesus. You do not, you do not, you do not leave us alone. All praises go to you, O oh God. Praise the Lord. All right. So let's talk about the Bible for a little bit. So I'm going to do just, you know, uh, some contextual things, look at a few practical things, and then we'll go back to talk about why you should study your Bible. All right? The Bible, it's an amazing book. <laughs> the Bible is, is really a book of books. It's really 66 books in one book. It has two parts, 
different ways of organizing the Bible. This is probably the most popular and the broadest. It says Old Testament and New Testament. There are other categorizations. The Bible itself was written over a 1,500-year span by about 40 inspired authors who come from varying backgrounds, occupations, and circumstances. But the amazing thing is that yet, the Bible presents a unified message. So, I mean, it's not, it's, think about it. So today we've had three people and a third person speaking on the same topic. Uh, many of the scriptures are the same. But, but somehow, you know, it's different because of the personalities that are, that, are, that are teaching and ministering. But yet, there is a, there is a unity in the material. Uh, but what God has done over, this is just in the space of a couple of hours, but God did this in a, over 1,500 years. Uh, there are people who wrote it that were shepherds. Some people were fishermen. Some people were kings. Some people were statesmen. There were tax collectors in there. <laughs> All sorts of people from different backgrounds and different settings. Some people wrote from prison. Some people wrote from the desert. Some people wrote, you know, their scribes, who that's their job. All sorts of circumstances in the middle of wars, in famine. All sorts of circumstances. And this came to us through the ages by the preservation of God. I want to tell you a few things about, this, about the Bible that makes it stand out from every other book of literature, bar none. No, no comparison. I looked at a few things just in preparing just a few when I did some small research. The Bible is the best-selling book of all time. So, you know all those New York Times bestseller lists and all those lists, USA Today bestseller lists, and people want to be on a bestseller list. If they, they don't put the Bible on there, because every time, every week, forever and ever, the Bible will remain on top. So they removed it to give room for other things. Uh, the Bible has, uh, in its history, 3.9 billion copies <laughs> published in print. You know what the next, the next closest thing is? The gap is ridiculous. It's Chairman Mao's uh, collected works, all of his works, collected sayings, at 820 million. That's the next. So from 3.9 billion to 820 million. Uh, Harry Potter happens to be number three, 400 million books in print. But there's nothing else like it, not even by far. It's the most translated book ever. So certain individual books have been translated in different languages, 3,312 languages. The New Testament itself, 2,191. The Old Testament and New Testament together, People say I talk too fast. 670, when I get excited. 670 languages. So the closest is the Bhagavad Gita. So those people who know it's the sacred text of the Hindus. And it has, it's translated to 80 languages. Do you see the gap? You can't even, come, there's nothing like it. The Quran itself, I was, I'm going to ask you to guess, 50 complete translations of the, in different languages for the complete Quran, 50. No comparison. And another thing that makes the, the Bible standard as really unique is the fact that this is the one book that has been attacked, vilified. It, no other literature has faced such fierce opposition. Yet, <laughs> it's as if the more they try, <laughs> the more it's everywhere. Nobody wants to take the Book of Mormon out of the schools. Nobody wants to take the Quran. It's the Bible they go after. I want to quote you something. Um, 
F. Betex of Stuttgart, Germany, he said, unchanged and unchangeable, the Bible stands for centuries. Unconcerned about the praise and the reproach of men, with sublime freedom it strides through the history of mankind, dismisses entire nations with a glance and with a word in order to tarry a long time the deeds of a shepherd. It rises like an angel to heights that make peoples passing hither and thither appear like swarms of grasshoppers, yea, all nations like a drop in the bucket. Praise the Lord. It's accuracy. No book that is that old has such accuracy as far as the historical content, scientific, and the prophecies of Scripture. And again, going back to the unity, how is it possible that something that old, written over that long by that many people, is really saying the same thing? So when you read your Bible, you know what you're looking for? The Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in the pages of Scripture. The way it's handled, one is looking behind, one is looking ahead, but that's what is throughout Scripture, telling you that there is a mind, an eternal mind, a supreme mind, God, who really was the one that wrote the book and used men and women as human agency. Can we praise the Lord for the Bible? Thank you, Lord. All right, now. Okay, let's, let's look very quickly at the Old and New Testament. I said to you these are the two principal divisions, demarcations of Scripture. So high level, of course, the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, the people of Israel received God's revelation within the generous and faithful relationship he forged with them through his covenants. Key word is covenants. That his covenants with Abraham, with Moses, and with David. God revealed himself to Israel as, Exodus 34, 6, in ESV if you have it. If not, just put NKJV, it's fine. The Bible says that he is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. So any idea you have of God as a tyrant, as, you know, someone who's uncaring, as somebody who just has a big stick, big uh, shoe to stump you, it's not the right picture. The Bible, God tells us what to think of him. He says he's merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. So he proclaimed his, his promised blessing to the Israelites and gave them his law and his wisdom and his prophecies. Old Testament. Fast forward to New Testament. There, it is, there God's revelation culminates in a person. His son, Jesus Christ. Hebrews 1, 1 to, 1 to 2 speaks about that God in, diverse, in, in, in times of old and diverse manner spoke to us in the days gone by through his prophets. But now he has spoken by his son, Jesus Christ. Final, full stop. Um, you know, when, uh, you know, it was in the Mount of uh, Transfiguration. And, you know, Peter was asking all these questions. He says, listen, 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 just quiet first. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. It's all over. You want to figure out about identity. Are we gender fluid? What is, can you really have somebody who shifts from this gender to another gender, something in between throughout the different stages of their lives? Where do you look? In Scripture, what does the Bible say? He created them, man and woman, male and female, full stop, no more argument. If you want an answer to any and every question, it says, Jesus is the final revelation. Hear ye him. 
So long ago, so God inaugurates his new covenant relationship with us through the person and redemptive work of Christ. Within this new covenant relationship, God discloses his heart, his plans, and promises to us in Jesus Christ. And he specifies how we are to relay, relate to him in return through Holy Spirit-filled living. That's what the New Testament does. Okay? All right, so now that I've given you an overview of the old and the new, let's talk very quickly about ways of knowing the word. The word. What are the different ways of knowing the word? Okay, we looked at them through the first two services. We'll look at a few of them. So number one is hearing. So just sitting down here, listening to the Bible, or when you're listening to it at home in your car, you listen to a dramatized version, whatever version, already you're blessed. Right? The Bible says where it talks about the washing of water by the word. Just being in an atmosphere where the Bible is simply being read is a blessing. But we go beyond that, we talk about reading. In 1 Timothy uh, 4.13. Can you put it up? 1 Timothy 4.13. You have it? Okay. It says, till I come, do what? Give attention to reading, to exhortation, and to doctrine. You know, the Bible, there's different places where, maybe I might be getting ahead of myself, where uh, there is a certain attitude and a certain posture, the way we engage with Scripture. So here it talks about giving attention. It can't be casual, right? Uh, and another place it says, gazing intently. Right? And then the place it talks about studying to show yourself approved. There is an intensity. There is a, an intentionality. It, it suggests that you can't be doing it and be distracted and doing something else. Right? Um, so reading the word of God. Studying, which we're going to spend some time on. Uh, but let's look at uh, Acts 17.11. Speaking about certain type of people. It says... These were more, speaking about Berean Christians, that these are more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica. Thessalonica? <laughs> Forgive me. In that they received the word with all readiness, and after that, they searched the scriptures how many times uh, to find out whether these things were so. They didn't just take something wholesale. And I think, honestly, hmm, there's strange things happening quote-unquote, in, quote-unquote, the church. And I don't know if you've been paying attention to certain things that people are doing and are calling a church. I'm not going to go into any detail. I'm sure you've looked at some videos and you've heard some different things. And I think, I, you know, I don't want to be too judgmental, but I think that if we took this scripture to heart, there's nobody who can come and deceive you and lie to you. I've seen pictures of people, you know, whatever, eating grass and, and, and drinking, uh, they say, well, the, the man of God took petrol, change it into water, just like Christ changed water to wine, and people are drinking it, and they're, you know, asking this one man, he said, how, how does it taste? It's very good, it's nourishing. I'm like, I'm like, what is this? And these are the comical ones, but there's a lot of ridiculous things, and listen, <laughs> this is Pete, this is Paul they were talking to. Read your Bible. Don't let anybody tell you lies. <laughs> okay. All right. So, studying. Right? We'll go into that in more detail, but you see there are different, there are graduations of, in, in the scripture, of, you know, extracting value from the Bible. It was uh, 
Pastor Nobita was talking about it this morning and talking about how sometimes we turn the Bible into a fetish thing. It's like a book we put under our bed, you know. Uh, and, and I've even heard of people that take Psalms, only Psalms, only read Psalms. She's talking about that. And I've heard all manners of things. They take the Psalm and they take it from the Bible and then they, no, no, they write it out and they fold it and put it in water and drink it. Look at all manners of crazy things. <laughs> crazy things. You know, and, and, you know, she made the point. That's not useful. The Bible under your, under your pillow is not helping. <laughs> it does not help you. Thy word have I hid in my heart. And there's a process for doing that. And that is what the enemy looks at and they flee. The one in that day thing is not, not very helpful. Memorizing the word. Uh, the scripture for that is, is Psalm 119.11. Uh, meditating, critical, you know. That's what Joshua 1.8 was talking about. And it's, it's all over scripture. Really, this is when you... Just like the Spirit of God, it says the Spirit of God was upon the surface of the waters and it was brooding over it. There's a certain, there's a certain uh, you know, when you take the Scripture into your mind and into your spirit and you're analyzing and drawing all the juices out of it, uh, this is the process by which your mind is renewed. Pastor talked about that, right? New creation. It was your spirit that was born again. So your mind needs renewal. Your body needs to be put under. This is just the way it works. And the renewal of your mind this is the most potent process uh, for doing that, is, is meditation. And of course, applying scripture. Okay, I've spent a little bit of time on tools. Maybe it's not a little bit of time. I'll, I'll spend as long as I want. Um, tools for studying. Okay, so it's weird to say this, but obviously you have to show up, clearly, right? Uh, that's the first thing. So we're, we're focusing on studying for a bit now. Um, you have to show up. And why, why I say that because um, you have to show up focused. Uh, so it just means a couple of things, right? The time that you set aside to spend with God, you have to obviously carefully select and protect. Uh, because if you, if you are scattered and you are already a whole bunch of things that's entered into your mind, you know how way our minds work, right? Um, for those who use... Who use um, uh, the phone, which like I do, um, you know, if you pick up your 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 smart device and you've already checked Facebook to people that liked your your picture or not, and you've already gotten some updates from Instagram saying, "Wow, look at that outfit!" No, just kidding. Um, you you've you've distracted yourself, even if it's just news, whatever it is. So you have to pick a time. Everybody has morning or whatever works for you to protect your mind, protect your spirit, and make sure that he is the first thing you encounter. He's the first person you engage, whatever time frame that is, right? So selecting the time, selecting the place, um, all critical, and you show up focused. So, all right. So obviously the next thing is your Bible. I'm going to come down here, very risky. Okay, so a couple of things. Just, just don't worry, thank you. <laughs> Thanks. Okay, so this is your Bible, obviously. Uh, this is um, this is Thompson's chain reference. It's KJV, and you know what's a chain reference? I think it was it was the Kinshomi that talked about it this morning. But essentially, what it's doing, you know, how I said that the scripture is all interrelated. So it's really different. Sometimes certain books of scripture you can't read by itself. It's like a revelation. You read it, there's no way you're going to get it. Because there's, there's certain things in Daniel, other things in Ezekiel, some 
couple of things in Thessalonians that will help you understand it. So what this does is that it shows you connected scriptures um, as you're reading something. So you read this, you read that, it sheds some more light. You use scripture to interpret scripture. And it's really difficult to do it without something like a chain reference. Okay? Give you another example. This one here, <laughs> praise the Lord. <laughs> this is called... This is the New Strong's Exhaustive Concordance of the Bible, hallelujah, <laughs> by Mr. James Strong, LLDSTD. <laughs> Words of Christ highlighted. What is this? This is, you see how big it is. This is every single word that appears in Scripture, and it's all KJV. KJV is the basis for a lot of these things. Every single word that appears in Scripture, alphabetically, it takes it and shows you every single place that it shows up in the Bible. It's, it's, it's another tool of study. just want to show it to you because those who haven't seen it before. What about commentaries? There's a lot of them. Uh, one popular one is Matthew Henry. Hallelujah. This is somebody. Just hang on a second. Hold it. This is the work of one man. Well, I mean, he wrote most of it. This was his life's work, uh, Matthew Henry. And towards the end, he died, and it took a team of people to finish it. But what is it? This is, uh, there's a bunch of them, like I said, different ones, Schofield and the rest. But when you're reading the Bible, so when you're reading the Bible, you get to a, a text that is difficult that you don't understand. What do you do? Just keep going. So God is going to take care of everything. <laughs> so what these people are doing, these are people who have spent time they understand the original language, and they've compared and they've contrasted. It's still the opinion of a man, but these are people who have given themselves to this. So you, re you get to a scripture you don't understand. Uh, don't just skip over it. Make a note of it. When you have time to study, you use tools like this. This is uh, the same guy, James Strong. This is just a dictionary of Bible words. A lot of them will do it in Hebrew, Ara Aramaic, and Greek, and English, of course. And you can see the definition of words that you don't understand. So have I scared anybody? <laughs> so what I wanted to say to you, um, two things uh, by listing all these things. Uh, oh, some people use maps. There's something called the interlinear Bible. At least when you hear it, you'll understand it at the very least, right? That's just a Bible that has the English and then the, the translations. You know when ministers come and say, oh, in the original Hebrew, in the original Greek, and they'll say it's testi or something, right? And you're like, wow, where did they get that? That's where they get it from, right? <laughs> you know, so to tell us, Ty, it's finished. You're like, hey, hallelujah. Um, and I'm not, okay, sounds like I'm making fun, right? Obviously, it takes effort to look at all these things, but that's what they do when they look at the original text. But uh, so these are, these are certain tools. So two things I want to say. Number one, um, if you, you know, you just have the one, you know, uh, John, Psalms, Proverbs, and John. The small one, you can just put it in your pocket. It's not enough, right? It's not enough. There's a lot of tools that you require. Um, the second thing I wanted to say, or so maybe three things. second thing I wanted to say is that a lot of these things, these are, I got this a while back, they're, in, they're online, okay? So for those who... You don't see yourself doing that, but you still require these things. Take note of these, these websites. BibleGateway.com, BibleHub.com, BibleStudy.com. There's a lot of them. 
But a lot of these things will happen. This, this Matthew Henry thing, it's there, and it will connect it to the scripture you're reading. Commentaries, devotionals, study Bibles, different, all sorts of things, right? They're available there. Same with the translations. See, I think Dick Kenny likes to use a lot of translations too. Uh, but there's a, there's a bunch of them. He explained really well why you need translations. Uh, so for me, I, I, I got born again, listened to the KJV, the denomination where I, I got born again and really learned a lot of my foundational Christianity, served for the first time and so on. The <laughs> is looking at me. I'm not saying where it is. Um, was KJV. So I got to the point where I felt like, ah, if it's not in KJV, it's not the real thing. That demons will not really be afraid of NIV which is obviously rubbish. Um, if you don't understand it, you look for something else, right? So KJV is, you know, official. It's, it, when, I, when I'm quoting all those numbers on bestsellers and so on, it's really the KJV. And KJV came along, took out the thou and wilts and shouldests and all of those things, took all those things out and pretty much left it without those things. And you have other translations, NIV, New International Version. Oh, you want to be listing them for me? Message. Um, NLT, Good News Amplified, which what, it, what that does, it's really, it takes KJV as a base, but then it expands on it. Pastor Kwe likes it a lot. So when you're reading it, you take a difficult word like propitiation and then bracket to put like four other words to help with clarity, right? Um, so these are the tools that you require. So back to online tools. Um, there's a Bible, who remembers a parallel Bible? Huh, men of God. <laughs> yeah, so this is, this is a Bible that would have the multiple translations on one page, Living Bible, a few of them. And it just helps you compare easily. But, uh, you know, thank God for those who built all these apps. Something like version. I'll talk about it a little more, um, has all of these versions. And there's a function called compare. You highlight the scripture or scriptures, hit that button, and it pulls up all the scriptures in the various translations. To take advantage of them. So the last thing I wanted to say in this section is um, the most important thing, I think, apart from obviously your Bible, some of the things I said at the beginning, is that you have a book and a pen. Because depending on how you engage Scripture, you're not going there as, you know, people who engage Scripture just to find errors, people like that. I was going to tell you a story about that, but there's no time. That's the folly of my youth where I <laughs> thought I knew what I was doing. Let's just forget that. Um, but, it, but what you're doing is you're coming to meet a person, right? And the book is alive. It's not just dusty words in a tome, right? So what you want to do is that you come and you're expecting to see, to experience, to encounter, to engage. So obviously, you have to have your own personal chronicle of your journey with God in the scripture, right? Uh, for those who... For those who you prefer to use your device, I think the pen and paper is the best. I started using it. I'm really kind of using my phone now, so preaching to myself. But one thing I would say to you, uh, that if that's what you're doing, then you have to be very um, disciplined about it, right? So my own, I'm going to talk about plans really quickly, but my own, I have my plans. I think I've shown you before how I go through different scriptures and I kind of switch by day, but it's the same thing every day of the week. So I have sections in my notes, right? I say um, wisdom books, prophets, letters, gospels, whatever it is. And whatever I, f I feel like God is telling me, I'll put the scripture, I'll type the notes there. So if that's what you do, younger people, maybe you don't do the paper, pen, or whoever. 
uh, but you need a disciplined approach. You need a way of recording it. The great thing about doing it on your phone is that you can download it, you can put it in a Word file, you can save it, and all of that. So take advantage of all of that, okay? Final thing I want to say in terms of uh, studying is a plan. Um, don't, they both spoke about it, Pastor Nobata and King Kenny. You can't be haphazard in the way you engage with Scripture. Again, remember, you're coming to meet a person, right? So uh, what you need to do is just decide on a plan and stick to it. There's tons of them. Again, version, all of these sites I mentioned, they have them. You can just simply say, okay, you know what? I'm going to go through the Bible in one year, start from Genesis 1, go all the way to Revelation. That's one way of doing it. Some people do it, it's called chronologically. So the Bible, the way it's arranged is not the way it was written in terms of uh, the publish, when it, was, when it was authored. So some people say, okay, you know what? I'm going to take it in the way the writing was actually done. It's another way of doing it. It's another guy called Murray McShane. It's a famous uh, Bible scholar and his own plan has a way of taking you through, you read a couple of ver chapters in the old, in the new, and I think a psalm. Um, um, uh, Sister Mine showed me one, one day when we were going to, to work on the train. And the way that it does it, amazing, I'm going to try it maybe after I finish this plan. Um, what it does, it, it takes you throughout scripture. It's not chronological, but there's like, there's a, a theme kind of going throughout all of it, and it weaves around different scriptures. And by the time you're done with it, you've read the whole Bible, and it takes you through in this. It's amazing. It's one thing I want to try. It's all available, and there's tons more. No excuses, people. Okay? Praise the Lord. All right, so for the remaining time that we have, I want to tell you about, I have, let's see, why we study our Bible. Um, in the first two services, we had different emphasis of these. I'm going to list them and focus on the two that I would like to tell you just one or two things about, okay? Uh, the Bible is the source of complete revelation of God and his plan for man. Make sure this, this whole series is available on the app, in the message section. It has its own section. All of these things will be saved. So listen to it, first and second service. The word of God has the power to discipline us and grow us in the faith. A lot there. Pastor Nobat said, knocked, knocked it out of the park. It was amazing. Listen to it. You need to hear that. Number three, the word is our weapon in spiritual warfare. I'll tell you a thing or two about that. Number four, it reveals to us our inheritance as believers. Number five, it gives us encouragement and hope. Dick and Kenny talked about that. And number six, it gives us confidence to share the gospel. So let me tell you, let's talk real quick about the fact that it reveals the inheritance as believers. Can I just have 2 Peter 1, verse 1 to 8? Second Peter 1, 1 to 8. The Bible says, Simon Peter, oh, in KJV, KJV, just follow along, it's easier for me. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. According as his divine power had given unto us all things that pertain to what? Life and godliness. How? Through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue 
whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So, We've escaped. The Bible speaks about how we are translated from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of his dear son, if you are now a child of God. But it says here that the way that there are exceeding great and precious promises, there are amazing, mind-blowing things available. But the only way to connect to them is not going to be given to you in a bag, it's not giving you a platter of gold. It's through knowledge of him. And where do we get that knowledge, everybody tell me? The word of God. So this is where you go to figure out what is made available to you as an heir of Christ and a joint heir with God. What is this thing it says about being seated in heavenly places? What does that mean? What are my benefits as a Christian? What are the things that should not be happening to me? What are the things I should be making happen? You find them from the pages of scripture. So this could take forever. I want us to just focus on one thing. Uh, if you don't let the word, as in the word of God, define you, who you are, what you can do. Everybody else and everything else will do it for you. Um, I'm not going to read it because I don't have that much time. I'm going to talk about David, but you know the story. Uh, write the scripture, 1 Samuel 16, 10 to 11, 1 Samuel 17, 28, and 33. This is David. The first... Um, Scripture that I, that I quoted. This is where Saul, Samuel, uh, was, uh, God asked him to go and anoint a new king. And he got to the household, told, go to Jesse, told Jesse ahead of time, I'm coming to your house. Jesse prepared, right? Arrayed his children, the ones he considered worthy of, of, of being anointed. And brought them one by one, parted, oh man, parted them one by one before Samuel. Someone look at one and say, whoa, look at this guy, look at this full head of hair and all of that. Must be this guy, tall, muscular. So no, 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 I've rejected him. I wonder what that guy has been doing. Um, went through seven sons. And someone was like, what's going on now? God doesn't make mistakes. He said, the boy is here. But, you know, Jesse was like, well, these are the children. And then he asked him again, Uncle, where, what is, is there any, what's happening? He said, well, there really is this other fellow. He's with the sheep, but let's not worry about him. This was his father. And Samuel said, we will not sit down until that boy comes here. And obviously, like you know, he was the one that God chose. Uh, second uh, uh, scripture that I gave you, uh, Jesse sent David to the war, uh, battlefront with a number of um, uh, you know, provisions for his brothers that were in the army, and you know, I think a message to the king as well. But when he got there, let's see if I can read that one. Um, 1 Samuel 17.33. 1 Samuel 17.28. Let's do that first. Now Eliab, his older brother, heard when he spoke to the men. And Eliab's anger was aroused against David, and he said, why did you come down here? With whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? Just cutting them down. I know your pride and the insolence of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. Thank God that David had a relationship with God and was defined by his encounters with the creator. Imagine your eldest brother in the army that you look up to saying something like this to you. So let's look at another one, 1 Samuel 17, 33. This is Saul now. 
after he had decided he was going to send David. Well-meaning, well-meaning. It says, and Saul said to David, you are not able to go against the Philistine to fight with him, for you are a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. Again, in a, it, was, it was to help him, it was to help him, but still defining for him who he is, what he's capable of doing, what is in his future, what is in his destiny. You can't let anybody tell you that. You know the way that this thing works? You have overt things like this. You have the people that are helping you. And there's circumstances, speaking all the time, telling you what you are able to do or what you cannot do. You better get that information from the Holy Spirit through the scriptures. So let me give you that example. We're out of time. We're going to end on this one. The word is our weapon in spiritual warfare. The word is our weapon in spiritual warfare. I'll give you some scriptures. I'll speak to it and we'll close. Ephesians 6, 17. Ephesians 6, 17 and 2 Corinthians 10, 3 to 5. You are, you know, Disciples of, of, of PWA. Basically, we're living, we're in a war. As a Christian, uh, it was the way, I love the way that Dick and Kenny described it two, three weeks ago when he was talking about the advantages of, of spiritual growth. And I was speaking about how he used an imagery that really stayed with me when he was describing our relationship with the enemy and what the enemy tries to do. He's talking about the scripture about a strong man and that when a strong man has possession of his goods, his goods are safe. But if a stronger man than he shows up, he displaces him. And he described our, our Christian experience as us, as Christians, being in a, in a castle. Think about a castle. I like that because I like all those medieval things. He says, think about a castle and you have fortifications and protections and walls and all of that. And you have enemies coming against you to come and steal, to kill, and to destroy. And it says, if you're not strong, which is what the advantage of growing as a Christian. If you're not strong, the strong man will come and take what is yours. And I love that imagery. So as Christians, so think about it that way. Your peace, <laughs> the health of your your health and that of those around you, your future, what God has said about your children, your, the, what God wants to do with you in the kingdom. All of those things are being contested. And you need to A, know that, because people just don't know that, and B, understand the weapons that you have available to you to ensure that you enjoy your Christian experience. When uh, Satan encountered Christ repeatedly, he said a number of things to him and it tempted him. And each time Christ came back with the word. We don't resist temptation or resist the enticement of the enemy or lose our position as children of God. Uh, we, don't, we don't retain all those things by, by you know, it's not going to happen to me by willpower. It's not. It's not because it is the word of God. It is what God has said. It is what, what Christ has done. It is his finished works. What does it mean when he says that you should take up the whole armor of God? How do you do that? When the Bible says that, you know, we're sitting in heavenly places with Christ Jesus, what does that mean? Let's look at um, 2 Corinthians 10, 3 to 5. 
says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war. Talking about the war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are what? Mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing every thought, every idea, every paradigm, every mindset into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So you know that, and you need to engage the enemy. Thank God for Pastor Wale. You know that this is a, this is a specialty. And, and, and these are the things that you wouldn't know, you can't know, unless you're really engaged in Scripture. Praise the Lord. 